Thank you for tuning into Destiny House Church as we seek to draw closer to Jesus. We're so glad you've joined us today. Please enjoy this message by Pastor Court or one of the other anointed speakers as we pursue the Father's heart. I want to start this morning by... Oh, that's where I want my mic. Thank you. I would stop yelling at people if y'all would. No, I'm not. I'm kidding. Good to have you guys this morning. Um, I want to get into uh, some tough subject matter this morning. Um, you know, these are usually the days that, um, you know, Candace and I don't make new friends. <laughs> this is one of those sermons today, so I'm glad you're here. I'm glad that um, God brought you here. How. How important is it today that not only I preach the gospel, but you guys are here to, to hear the gospel today Amen. and to apply it to your life. Um, I want to jump right into it this morning, Father. And I thank you for this great crowd of believers. Thank you, Father, the heart that they have to be here, to celebrate you to celebrate what you've done, what you're doing, and what you have an amazing plan to do soon. God, I pray that you would bless us this morning as we seek your face. We ask God that it would be a time that we examine ourselves, that we examine so deeply even to the spiritual bone marrow of our bodies, God, before you before your throne. We ask God that you would be the dad that you've been for so long for many of us, that you would be a dad that allows us to get up in your lap and just to be with you with faith like a child. And we thank you for your sovereign grace, your sovereign mercy, and the sovereign will that I know that you have for each of us to conform to the image of Christ Jesus. In your name we pray. First Timothy chapter 4, 1. Now the Spirit explicitly says that in the latter times, the latter days, some will desert the faith. How many of you know to walk away or desert something, you have to first be there? Everybody understand that? You can't desert something that you've never been involved in, intertwined with, had a relationship with. You can't have a breakup if you never had a bad boyfriend or a bad girlfriend. Right? So we look at the scripture and it says, and they occupy themselves with deceiving spirits and demonic teachings. Influenced by the hypocrisy of liars whose consciences are seared. Mark 13, 22 in the NET says, For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, the elect. Who's the elect? Us. Those that love or proclaim to love Jesus. The other day I took uh, Cooper to uh, his favorite park, which is actually kind of in the Canfield area. It's far from here, but it's fairly close to our house. And Walnut Grove, I think it's called. Um, and he loves that park because he just loves to run all over the place. He wants to go in the big sand pit and throw sand in his eyes and then cry that he got sand in his eyes. And then I pour water on his face like a crazy father to get the sand out of his eyes in front of other people. And they look at me like I'm crazy, questioning if that's water at all. <laughs> this hasn't happened recently. I'm just, you know. 
And so he likes it because he gets to, you know, he goes plays everywhere and it's big and I can just kind of walk around and see him from different angles. Nothing's too terribly obscured. And he's gotten more and more courage. You know, last year at this time, there were some slides he wouldn't go down that I'm glad he didn't because, you know, he would be in a cast right now, you know. But now I notice he's got a whole lot more courage at three and closed in on four. And he's got a lot more just enthusiasm. He's faster. He's quicker. I'm, I'm slower and fatter than last year. So I'm like, man, Cooper, have you gotten faster? Have I gotten a lot slower? And of course, I think we know the answer to that. Both. So he began to go down this larger slide, and he went down it the normal way, and was just looked great, and was just laughing and having a good time. But then he decided he wanted to go down the slide backwards. I said, no, 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 Cooper, no, no. I'm not going to urgent care today. Neither are you, right? Give a mama a break. Let's not make her meet us at mercy, right? But he wanted to go down a slide head first, on his back, backwards. Right? And I stopped it because that's, that's the kind of father that I am, right? And I began to think about as he uh, tried to do that of a, a term that has kind of been lost from the 90s and the 80s to the early 2000s and I want to bring back that term today, the definition of that, just as a good faith warning uh, to me and to all of you today and hopefully to those that will listen to Spotify later and the term is backsliding. I want to read you this poem that may give you an indicator of the definition that I'm sure most all of you understand already. Down I go on the paths of Sheol again. The rewards of death my hands regain. The wheels of the plow of righteousness I forgot to maintain. Being led into the desert I stagger like one under the influence. All the while blinded by momentary pleasures a walk through the arid land with cold lifeless walls as my compass. Surely I have lost it. These words my mind kept a fix on, regurgitating it while the devil's counsel slowly seeped in. A sound advice like Job's wife the devil gave, urging me to totally quit. A sweet ballad he played into my ears, telling me to embrace hedonism as my new religion, for I would surely fail in living a perfect life. He gave me examples. Yes, your righteousness is as filthy rags before God. The accuser, the brethren, quoted the scripture for me. I countered, reminding him that self-righteousness accounted as sin before God. Telling him of the utmost essence of the Jesus death and grace and salvation. No one is perfect. These words the devil said in retort, quoting a popular quip which gave leeway for people to sin and despair, I tried to counter for my Christian walk was filled with inconsistent up and down moments like a touch light with a failing battery. The light of Christ within me flickered. He then came back like a sharp clack amidst deep silence. I heard his words, that piercing word of life that erupted joyful tears in me, for I was washed out of version of my former version of my former self. My grace is sufficient for you, son. You have an advocate before the Father who pleads your case. These words Jesus spoke to me in reply to the devil's condemnation. Look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. This charge he gave me to cleanse me of all adulteration. There is therefore no now condemnation in them who are in Christ. This fact he quoted to free me from all allegations. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. These words he gave to guide my future aspirations. 
A willing stone and a sling of Christ Jesus ready to earn new trophies to bring to his feet, laying them down. He calls me a king to being a joint heir with Jesus. How many of you know that? And I, and I believe this I actually wrote this down just 30 minutes ago. The Lord gave me this. I said, I believe that if I dumb down the gospel, if I skirt moral subject matter, or if I preach a false gospel, the blood of men will be laid. The blood of men will be laid at my spiritual doorstep. Second Corinthians 13, 5 says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. There are certain warning signs in our spiritual life that indicate or are indicators that we are slowly drifting away from God. When we are aware of these warning signs, we are able to remedy the unhealthy attitudes and behaviors that led us away from the Lord in the first place. There's people in this very room today that are being led away by the lust of the world, the lust of your flesh, and the enemy himself. There's people in this room today and listening to this recording later that you have the title of being a Christian, but you don't even know what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. There's people in here that are drifting from the church, you're drifting from God, you're drifting away from your calling, you're drifting away from your job, you're drifting away from your spouse, your children, your grandchildren, because you simply don't want to submit to God. You want to rebel against the kingdom of God. Day after day, you want to rebel. There's certain areas I want us to look at this morning. This is not a peaceful sermon. If you're looking for a peaceful sermon, this is not the Sunday to come to DH. If you're looking for, to feel good about your comfort zone, this is not the day to be here. If you're, if you're here just to feel good about yourself and get patted on the back for the sin that's remaining in your life, that you still can have contempt against yourself, your family, and your God, this is not the day to be here because this is a day that we are convicted and we turn back to God. When you are backsliding, there is a decrease in your quiet time. Any healthy relationship requires quality time to drive the relationship. You have to have one-on-one -on -one time with your spouse in order for your relationship to continue in the right direction. You've got to have a good relationship, some intimate talks with your children in order for your relationship to push further. You have got to have intimacy in your life, and it has to start with God. You cannot sit here today and say that you love your spouse if you aren't in love with Jesus. You don't have quiet time with God. You don't want to have quiet time with God. You don't see the value of having quiet time with God. Or maybe you're attempting to have quiet time because you're trying to prove something to someone else. You can't be righteous for somebody else. You can't go to heaven for your spouse. You can't go to heaven for your grandma that's been praying for you. You can't go to heaven for your family. You can only go to heaven by having a real walk with God. And I want you to listen this morning. Because some of you are still in the same place you were last year. And you're expecting God to move in power. But you won't even move one inch towards Him. It's time to get out of yourself and start worshiping the living God or you're going to be still standing here in this very church unsaved while the rest of us are raptured. Amen. There's a loss of conviction. You say things like, I deserve this. I'm not as bad as others. Everyone struggles. I'm not as bad as I used to be. The sin in my life is not nearly as bad as what it used to be. I'll ask for forgiveness tomorrow. These are signs that you are backsliding. You can't hide from God. 
You cannot hide from God, people. You cannot hide from the living God. Some of you are sitting there right now with contempt in your heart and in your mind and in your eyes right now as you listen and you look because you think that you don't fit in any of these categories that I'm about to preach on. But I'm going to tell you, I fit in almost every single one of these categories. If we spend more time devising excuses than repenting for sinful thoughts and actions, we are saying God's standards don't convict us and that his opinion doesn't matter. When you are backsliding, you lose confidence in prayer. You stop believing that prayer is a solution you, you start forgetting that prayer changes your life, changes people's life around you, changes the life of your family. At one time you believed it, but when you backslide, you stop praying as much. You start ceasing. You're not constant in prayer like the Bible tells you to be. You should be praying in your shower. You should be praying when you're driving. You should be praying when you're mowing the lawn. You should be definitely praying in church. By the way, while you're in church praying, start worshiping too. Start Stop standing around like a bunch of zombies waiting for life to get better. Life ain't going to get better because life doesn't get better on its own. Your life doesn't get better on its own. It has to be through Christ alone. Him. Him. Give him a amen. Because I don't want to preach all this today. Matthew 26, 41 says, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Some of you are being tempted with past sin even this morning, last night, because you're not praying consistently. Oh, pastor, but we want revival. No, you don't. If you wanted revival, you'd have a prayer room or a prayer closet set up in your home and you would be doing the work of a pastor, an evangelist, a revivalist, an apostle, and the list goes on and on because you would be in your home, in your living room, in your kitchen, consecrated to God. God, do anything you need to do to save my kids. God, whatever you need to take out of my life and strip from my life, you do it, God, because that's how bad I want my children in the kingdom of God. If you're not doing that, you're not able to effectively pray for revival. Amen. You want the blessing and the benefits without knowing the benefactor. Did you hear that? You want the blessings of God and the benefits of God and not even willing to have intimate time with the one that creates those benefits and those blessings, your father in heaven, your benefactor. I'm fine with the church not growing. I'm fine with us staying right where we are. I'm fine with us staying right with the amount of people that we have. Why? Because we're not ready for growth. We're not ready. Why are we not ready? Because I'm not saying all of us. I'm not even saying you personally. I'm talking about the church in general. People look at the church right now and they see the original temple had badger skins on the outside. People drive past this church every single day, five and six times a day, and they are unchurched, they are unsaved, they are unconverted, and they see badger skins. They see a white steeple on top of a brick church and they say, whatever. Give me a break. You think you're going to change my life with your worship songs and your little sermons and your little handouts and your little classes and your little donuts and your little coffee bar. What's wrong? You guys don't like this. Come back next week. Okay. It'll be lighter. Well, I can't guarantee that actually. <laughs> actually, I can't. I can't. That would be a lie. <laughs> 
There's a, when we backslide, there's a loss of compassion for those that are in pain. It's a good indicator that you're backsliding. When you walk by somebody and they're hurting, they're starving, they're diseased, they're struggling, they're in the midst of a dark, deep depression, and you walk by and you feel nothing, something's wrong. When a church member comes up missing and they're gone for whatever the reason, your heart should ache for that person that left. Your heart should be broken, no matter what the reason, right, wrong, indifferent, good, bad, ugly, whatever title and bumper sticker you want to slap on the situation. Our heart should break when we see people leave and not get rooted in another church. There's a loss of compassion for those that are in pain. Not only are we missing important opportunities to serve, we are missing opportunities to demonstrate our faith practically. And if we are not willing to demonstrate our faith practically, we are saying our faith is not important to us. If you read Matthew chapter 25, it explains everything that I just said. You begin building secret high towers in your life for yourself. You know, I'm from Texas and my, my, I come from a family of, of, of deer hunters on my dad's side. And of course, I've hunted quite a bit in my life. Um, but one thing about Texas is it's funny because if you're on a deer lease... You know, in Texas, here's how we hunt in Texas, all right? We get this big old feeder. You pay a lot of money for a feeder. And then you just go mow a little round area close to your deer stand, and you put feed in there, and you start feeding the deer year-round. So when it comes to hunting season, you get out of your truck at about, I don't know, 4.30, 5 a.m., and you walk to your deer stand. And you sit in your deer stand. And here's how we do it. We drink coffee and we eat a breakfast burrito in our deer stand. And then we drink more coffee. And pretty soon, us Texans, we need to go to the restroom. That's right. So we have devised a way in order to use the restroom and the deer stand because we're that committed to hunting. Right? Well... When the sun starts coming up and you've had your breakfast and your coffee and, and your, your trigger finger is now shaking because of all the caffeine, right? Out walks all the deer when the timer goes off and the corn starts spinning, right? And you say, eeny, meeny, fine, oh, hey, Mo, you're dead, right? And that's the way it is. Not everywhere in Texas, but that's the way it is. And, and, and the, the higher your stand is, the better. Oh, court! How how tall is your stand? Oh, it's, it's it's eight feet off the it's eight feet off the ground. I'm real proud of my deer stand, right? And I just I just borrowed somebody else's right from church. I didn't build my own. Oh, well, you know what? My deer stand is ten feet off the ground. It's awesome. And then you got another guy the next year. Guess what? We've got one that's twenty feet off the ground. We can hunt deer in somebody else's lease. <laughs> We're so high. So I ran across the scripture. I was thinking about this. And I ran across the scripture in 2 Kings 17.9. And it says that the sons of Israel did things secretly which were not right against the Lord their God. Moreover, they built for themselves high places in all their towns, from watchtower to fortified city. And then I read in Job 24, 16, in the dark they dig into houses and they shut themselves up by day. They do not know the light. When you start backsliding, you start living and playing out different secrets in your life. You start hiding things from 
your spouse and your children and your grandchildren and your church and your pastor and the people that care. And you begin to have high towers that you have built thinking that you've got a view of when God is going to appear, but you don't. Because the Bible tells us that he comes back like a thief in the night. We got to be ready now. And us, we all have to examine ourselves not to be in the area or even a known area of backsliding or falling away from the living God. All of us have done it. Oh, pastor, I've never done anything like that. Well, I'm glad you're convinced of that, but I certainly cannot say that about my life. My mentor used to tell me when I was younger that Christianity is easy, that serving Jesus was easy. And that never really sat right to me until I verified that the Christian life is certainly not easy. It's a fight every single day to not be the person that you used to be. To keep the old man buried. Now some of you may say, well, I don't have that, that deep of a fight or things go really smooth for me. Well, just hold on. Just hold on. Because your, your life is not going to be perfect. There will be things that happen. And you will actually have to use the faith that you've been talking about to everybody else in a real, realistic way. What about backsliding as it relates to examining itself on what comes out of our mouth? There's an old saying that what goes down or what's in the well comes back up in the bucket. Whatever's in the well of your spirit and your heart is what's going to come back up in the bucket. Right? If you've got water down there, pure water, water's going to come up. If you've got vodka down there, vodka's going to come up. If you've got, you got chocolate milk in a well at your house, you better be calling your pastor over to play. <laughs> All right. I will mow your lawn and drink your milk. <laughs> that's, our, that's our next t-shirt as a church. We're here to serve you. We will mow your lawn and drink your chocolate milk. That's awesome. Charles Spurgeon said this. Remember that if you are a child of God, you will never be happy in sin. You are spoiled for the world, the flesh, and the devil. When you were regenerated, there was put into you a vital principle which can never be content to dwell in the dead world. You will have to come back if indeed you belong to the family. If, if, if there is still sin remaining in your life, you as a child of God, you should have a problem with it. You should be convicted about it. You should be, be ready and willing to do what God tells you to do to lay that down, to lay that sin down, never to resurrect it again. You should feel bad about it. <coughs> when we don't feel, and I'm not talking about condemnation. I'm talking about that deep conviction that comes with doing something your father told you not to do. And doing that something over and over and over again, guess what? You get to the point where you don't even feel the conviction of the Spirit of God anymore. I'm going to tell you right now, that's a dangerous place to live. What's down in the well comes up in the bucket. If you have harsh words, then you've got a harsh heart. If you are spewing out negative words, then maybe you've got a negative heart. If you've got boastful and prideful words, maybe you have an insecure heart. If you've got filthy words that are constantly coming out, maybe you have a dirty heart. Critical words, a bitter heart. Encouraging words, a joyful heart. Gentle words, a loving heart. What kind of speech comes out of your mouth towards your family and your friends and even your enemies? Truthful words, an honest heart. Slanderous words, a deceptive heart. If 
you want to know if you're in the midst of backsliding, listen to the words that are flowing off of your tongue. What's down in the well comes up in the buckets. What about an indifference? When you're backsliding, you now have developed an indifference for evangelism and salvation. 2 Peter 3, 9, it tells us that he wills that none should perish. The will of God is that none should perish. Is that going to happen? No, but that is his will. Because people have free will to decide on if they're going to truly follow Jesus or not. What about demanding lust for the external benefits of God? Signs, wonders, and miracles. I said it a few minutes ago. We, we, we long to see these things, but, but are these things what God wants us to be dwelling on? The answer is no. I love my father because he's my father. I don't love him because of his benefits and blessings. I love him because of his suffering. And I love him because of the suffering that he actually did for me. That's enough for me. Now, does God bless us as his children? Absolutely. Every good father blesses his children in the right timing, in the right season, with the right rebuke and the right discipline. Listen to this in Matthew 11, 20 to 24. Jesus began to criticize openly the cities in which he had done many of his miracles because they did not repent. And he says, woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethesda. If the miracles done in you had been done in Tyre or Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? Jesus is asking this question. He says, no. You will be thrown down to Hades, for if the miracles done among you had been done in Sodom. Now Jesus goes back to the Old Testament. He says, if these things had been done in Sodom, it would have continued to this day. Meaning Sodom and Gomorrah would still be there. Are y'all hearing this dialogue that Jesus is having? He says, but I tell you. It will be more bearable for the region of Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. <coughs> we want the benefits without the benefactor. Jesus warns us. Don't just, I'm just giving you a warning here. You can, you know, blast me, email me, whatever, criticize, whatever you want to do. But God is more interested in our repentance than he is in giving us what we think is the needed miracle of the day. Did you know that if a miracle happened every Sunday morning in every church around America, it would not be a miracle anymore? Did you know that not everybody in the Bible got healed? Did you know that Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus could only healed a few in his hometown. The people that he grew up with saying, the Bible tells us that a, that a, a prophet is not honored or welcomed in his own town. Right? We need to read the Bible more carefully instead of saying, hey, Let's go pay our $75 ticket to go see the latest evangelist that's in town. Because I know if I go see that evangelist, I'm going to be healed tonight. Can somebody please find that in the Word of God? 
Can somebody please reveal to me how that is theologically sound? When you come to church and you come to a house of worship or you go to a Christian concert or you go to this place or that place that is about Jesus, you should be going there to simply meet with Jesus. And then you say, Jesus, whatever you know my need, God, whatever you want to do, you can heal me. You cannot heal me. God, I'm not going anywhere. I am a masterpiece in your eyes. You are my father. That's how we approach God. We don't approach God making demands and declarations that are not biblical. We approach God by saying, God, if this be your will, let this cup pass from me. That's how we approach the Father. God, whatever, Dad, whatever you want to do, you know better. You know, we've got to stop acting like, no offense to teenagers, but it's going to sound offensive. We've got to stop being teenager Christians. Mom, dad, you don't know nothing. Mom, dad, you, you don't know nothing. I am not going to listen to what you have to say because I'm a teenager and I'm smarter than you. Has anybody, has anybody experienced that before? Or are you all going to look at me like I'm the big dummy in the room? Huh? Dad... I know you said that, but, you know, I think this way is better. Well, here's the example. I've gone that way. It's not better. But you go ahead and go the way that you've decided to go. And just remember, I'm not going to bother saying I told you so. Because that doesn't help either, does it? But unfortunately, if you take that path of backsliding, you're going to hit your head on the bottom of that slide. You're going to hit your head on that gravel. You're going to hit your head on that floor. Don't you think, guys, that God loves you enough to put printed words in a book in order to give you instruction on how to live your life? There's a reason why the Bible is the number one bestseller Forever. <laughs> it still is. It's because the words in the Bible are flowing truth into your life. They change you. If you want to see change in your life, start getting alone with God and just read your Bible. Okay. Praise to you. Why don't y'all come up? I'm going to preach long today. I've only preached for like 35 minutes. Really, I could do a whole lot more. And I know y'all would be excited about that. Okay, or not. <laughs> no, we wouldn't. You're not hearing from the Lord, Court. What about having the example of being in a state of backsliding by taking the stance of feeling like you always need to be right. That being right has become more important than being righteous. Raise your hand if you like to be right about things. Come on, let's be honest. Got my hand up. I'm... I'm like today, I know I'm right about the gospel. Like there's no, you know, you ain't changing my mind. I know Jesus is real. But a lot of things that I think that I'm right about, I'm not right about. Wow. And this is why we need a bigger house so I have my own bedroom. <laughs> Don't keep praying about that, by the way. you have a large enough house, I am willing to rent from you. Just, just kidding. Oh, I thought she was running me down or something. I thought I was going to get throat punched in church. Praise God. 
<laughs> it's only happened once before, but it was a, it was a scene. It was it was on TV. It's on the news. Being right is not something that we're trying to obtain. Being the righteousness of God is who we are as Christians, right? We've already received that. We are, we're not trying to obtain it. We are the righteousness of God. In Christ Jesus, we are the righteousness of God. Which means he has already given us all the giftings and all the boldness and all the unction that we need to live a life that shows righteousness to other people, our family and our friends and our coworkers. So when we say, God, I, I need this and I need that, God is already saying, I, I've already given you everything. When you accepted me as your Savior and you repented of your sins, you said, you confessed, you believed. How many of you know you can, you can, you can say something all you want and not believe it? I, I could get you guys to rehearse a prayer in a minute. But if you don't mean it, that doesn't, you don't, you're not saved just because you said a few words. You're saved because you're, you believe in what you're saying. You believe in the risen Christ. You believe. And when you are praying and when you start that relationship, you are some part of that has to be about, God, you are now the Lord of my life. I don't have anything of myself. I give all that to you, God. That's what salvation is. 180 degree turn. Billy Sunday said this many years ago. The backslider likes the preaching that wouldn't hit the side of a barn. While the real disciple is delighted when the truth brings him to his knees. Our hearts should break. Your heart should be broken right now if you're not in a place today of confidence saying, you know what, man, I'm, I'm, I'm really in a good place with God today. And that's great if you are. But some of you are not. Some of you are on a path of destruction. Some of you are falling away. You know it. Your spouse knows it. Your family knows it. You can't hide it. You can hide it for a small amount of time, but the secrets always come out. Who you really are will always surface. So how do we break this? How do we, how do we get past this? How do we get into a place of flourishing? I'm going to read a couple verses to you, and then we're going to pray and, and maybe do a worship song to end the service today. Hosea chapter 11, verse 7. My people are bent to backsliding from me. Though they called them to the Most High, none at all would exalt him. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 19. The word says, your wickedness will punish you. Your backsliding will rebuke you. Consider then and realize how evil and bitter it is for you when you forsake the Lord, your God, and have no, it says that you have no awe of him or me in the, in the present tense, declares the Lord, the Lord Almighty. We, we cannot lose our awe of God. Like, like, Literally, you're breathing right now because of the awe of God. Do you not get that? You're going to leave in a few minutes. You're going to get in your car with your family. You're going to go to lunch. You're going to go home. Or you're going to meet me at your chocolate milk well. <laughs> not going to do that. Don't worry. I'm trying to work on that. It is disgusting, isn't it? It's kind of gross. Because you know, like animals have gotten in there. It's not pure chocolate milk. You're right, Candace. I'm sorry. I'm going to work on what I preach. Thanks, Candace. <laughs> Lord, help me. Thank you, Jesus. We only signed a 25-year contract. Two more years. <laughs> I 
We don't believe in divorce in this church. Okay, I just want to say that. Okay. So, so the remedy. I mean, can I, will you just let me be spiritual for like five more minutes? Please? Thank you. It's so, God bless, it's so hard to be married. Can anybody agree to that? Yeah! Praise the Lord. Man, it's hard. Oh, it's hard, Lord. Oh, my Jesus. Need something stronger than chocolate milk right now. <laughs> Sam, I'll deal with you later because you meant that. You meant it. I didn't mean it, but you meant it. That's just frightening. Amen. How many of you know Jesus has got a sense of humor? He does. He's got a sense of humor. So what do we do? How do we, how do we have a resolve in this area for the things in our life that we the positive God moments that we're sliding away from. Jeremiah 3.22 says, Return, faithless people, and I will cure you of backsliding. Yes, we will come to you, for you are the Lord our God. We see the angel of the church in Ephesus warn us, that those to those that have forsaken their first, how, how do you forsake something? You you have to be in a relationship to force it. Don't you guys understand this? Everything I've read today undoes much of the theology that's being preached in America. He says in Revelation two five, remember the height from which you have. Fallen, repent, and do the things you did when at first. God is always trying to get us to be that little puppy dog Christian. You know how puppies are. You get them, they're so excited, they run, they slide into the refrigerator. Right? They slide into their food. They slide into their. They slide all over the place. They pee and poop everywhere. I'm going somewhere with this. Calm down. Calm down. But they're so excited. You just can't get. They're puppies. They're just excited to be alive. And isn't that what God wants us to be with our salvation? Is God, you saved me. I may look stupid and act stupid and run around all over the place. But the joy of the Lord is real. I remember in our first church, <coughs> we had grown a lot. We see a lot of people saved. And we had a lot of new Christians in the church. And somebody, I, think it was a, I don't remember what leader it was, but somebody came to me and said, Pastor, I have never seen the church so dirty. And I said, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Who should we call? What's going to happen? I was, I was upset. You, you know why the church was dirty? Because there was people in the church finally. And people were coming in and they were like puppy dogs and they were messing up the chairs and they were spilling their water and their coffee and whatever else they brought into service. And their kids were being loud and their kids were crawling on stuff. And Candace and I loved it. But the righteous folk, oh, now pastor, you know, you know, you know. No, I don't know. Here's what I know. People are messy. And if you don't have messy people in the church, your church may be physically clean, but spiritually, it's dirty. Amen. I'll take a dirty church over a dirty church. <laughs> that makes any sense. So 
in closing with this, just, just two scriptures out of John 15, and just to cap this off very quickly. John 15, 5 and John 15, 10. You guys know it well. I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. What if Jesus had not obeyed his Father? You think about that. There would be, we wouldn't be here now. It's only by Jesus that we have new life. Y'all stand with me. Listen, I believe we are at the cusp and at the brink, and I, I believe most of you believe this with me, that we are at a place and a time in history that is super exciting for the local church. It's super exciting because we know what we've read. We, we know some things that are coming. We know that Jesus is coming. But we also know there's going to be a lot of people that fall away. There's also going to be a lot of people that accept Jesus and are looking for a church with real people. Real people that make mistakes. Real people that make the mistake, but we have enough wisdom to make the mistake and get up out of the mud and the dirt and repent. Repentance is the key to every single sin struggle that you have in your life. Sincere repentance. Some of you guys have stopped repenting. Some of you guys have just completely voided that part of your life because you think you're not doing anything wrong. You're trying to be right instead of trying to be righteous. That's religion. Religion right now in America on Sunday morning, religion is sending people to hell. Legalism is sending people to hell. God doesn't care how you came in here. He doesn't care what you wear. He doesn't care, he doesn't care about any of that. He cares about your heart. Where is your heart on the spectrum of eternity? Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? We're going to pray. I want you to take this time very serious as I do.